0: Well, welcome this morning. Um, as Ron said, we had uh, lunch on Friday, and you know it's very interesting how the how the Spirit works because um, you know when Christ was here and Jesus was here, a lot of people said, "Oh, it'd have been great to be with him and but you know that was only limited to the people we could meet with and stuff, but he said, when he goes away, he'd send his holy Spirit, and I just think it is so awesome how God's spirit draws things together. Um, I was even thinking this this morning that I never talked to Benji about the service at all today and what we're going to talk about, but I can tell you that the songs are so in tune with and the words of those songs of what God has in store for us this morning. I am just, I'm awed at how the Holy Spirit brings stuff together. You know, it's, it's through dreams, it's through other people, it's through songs, it's through messages. I don't know, I guess I sort of feel much like Ron this morning. I'm so impressed this morning. Um, I got a call the other day, and, and I told you my family was, we're a tight family, but we're not a um, huggy, lovey family. Does that make sense to you? And as a matter of fact, I don't know if my dad ever vocalized words like, I love you. And so that's what I was bought under, up under. And so I kind of thought that was okay. And the other day I was talking to my son-in-law, um, he's a 6'5", 300, and, well, he keeps saying he thinks he's below 300 now, but trust me, he's not. Uh, but, oh, this is on tape, shoot. Uh, <laughs> can we delete that little component in case he sees it? But the other day, um, you know, he's got into this thing. He, he was raised a little different, and he calls me Dad, which, I'm like, I'm not your dad, but he calls me Dad. And he goes, Dad, I really love you. And it just hit me like a ton of bricks. It was like, man, did that feel good? Did that feel good? And this morning I was thinking, you know, it's one thing, God did give us rain. And God has given us life and he's given us a lot of things. But this morning, I, I don't know if you'll just bear with me a minute. I think we should stand together and just, if you've never done this before, try with your own mouth to say, God, I just love you. Will you do that with me? Will you stand this morning? No music. We don't need anything else. I think God just wants to hear from you this morning. Try it. If you've never done it before and it's brand new to you, don't worry about it. Just close your eyes for a minute. I just sense his presence this morning. I sense his presence. He's so real. He's so alive. This morning, will you in your own way If you want to lift a hand, if you just want to verbalize it, just say, God, I love you this morning. I appreciate what you've meant in my life. God, I would be nothing without you. Everything revolves around you in my life. I'm so appreciative of the great peace and satisfaction that you've brought into my life. God, I love you this morning. I love you this morning. Everything within me appreciates and adores you, God. I worship you. I worship you this morning, God. I love you so much. I love the sweetness of his presence. Do you feel it this morning? Just the sweetness of his presence. You didn't come to hear words necessarily and testimonies and stuff. You came to experience God. That's what you're here for. Experience him right now. Let his love just overwhelm you like a sweet honey overwhelms someone. And just let it bathe you in his goodness. And how much he loves you. How much he loves you. How much he loves you. Thank you, Lord. I thank you so much this morning. I bless your name. I bless your name. Bless your name. Thank you so much. You can be seated. I miss so much his presence. You know, sometimes you get caught up in the things of life and you just kind of neglect it a little bit. It is the sweetest thing there is in life. If you haven't experienced God in your life, that's what it feels like. That's what it feels like. This morning's message um, has been kind of evolving in me over the I don't know, last at least three or four weeks. Um, And I'll explain a little bit as we go along what it looks like. But this morning I've entitled my message The Crusher. That's why we watched that uh, thing this morning. And As I was kind of contemplating the message and stuff today um, over these last few weeks, that picture kind of sprung into my mind of this great big guy who comes out and all these muscles and um, this awesome roar that he has, the heavyweight champion of the world and stuff. So I want to talk a little bit about uh, today about this idea of the crusher. I want to read a couple key verses uh, to you this morning. Um, and um, these verses are in Romans uh, chapter 12. Um, and it's the first couple of verses. I think these are very, very powerful verses for the times that we're living in right now. And the verses go Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and, and, perf, and, and perfect worship. In other words, he's saying our goal is this is what God wants from us. He wants us to be holy and pleasing to him. He wants us to offer ourselves as a living sacrifice. So I'm just going to paint a little background here for you if I can. And Of course, the next question comes, well, if I'm to present myself that way, how do I do that? And that's what I want to talk a a little bit in background again today. And then I want to move on to um, the real crux of my message today. So how do we do that? In Romans 12, 2, it says, do not conform to the patterns of this world. Look at that again. Just think about that for a minute. Do not conform to the patterns of this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So as with all things in life, I think there's good news and there's bad news. Um, It reminds me of a little joke. A guy had been seeing a doctor for a little while, and he went in and he said, well, doc, what do you think? And the doctor says, well, I got some good news and bad news. If you're a doctor, don't ever say that. But I got some good news and some bad news. And he says, well, what's the good news? He goes, well, you've got three weeks to live. The guy goes, what? That's the good news? Well, what's the bad news? He goes, I probably should have told you a couple weeks ago. Um, (laughs) You know, it's sort of that way. It's like salvation is what? The good news, right? The gospel is the good news. But sort of before you get the good news, there's some bad news, right? You have to say, "Well, I'm a, I'm a sinner. I'm a bad person. I've broken God's laws, right?" So this morning, I need to talk a little bit about bad news for a couple minutes, and I want to start with this idea of a few definitions for you. Um, the first one is this word on on Howard Overcoming. It says, um, "Don't conform." Um, to the world. So this word conform, I put a little definition in there. It says it's the act of matching our attitudes, our beliefs, and behaviors to a group norm. So whatever society has put out there, um, this idea of conforming is the idea of our beliefs and attitudes are going to line up with that. Inherent in this idea of conforming is an idea of pressure. Think about that for a minute now. The idea of this idea of conforming to beliefs and attitudes and actions that the world does is the idea that pressure is applied. My son worked for Thermatru Doors, I may have told you that. And it was it was an incredible process. He took me into the plant and they take these um, sheets of steel and they mechanically they would flop down and then they'd have the top piece ready and they would. Um, insert some type of foam into them, and then they would put this huge device on top of it at so many pounds per pressure, and it would just press all of that stuff that was in the inside. Some of it would go out to the side and stuff, but it would put pressure on there to make it conform to look like a door. When the doors are all done, if you go to Lowe's, you'll see them in thermature doors. Um, They're the $3500 a piece. Don't be buying one of them, but <laughs> it's incredible the look that when pressure is applied what it can do, how it can make flat pieces of steel look a certain way. So this idea of conforming to the ideas of the world implies this idea of pressure. I looked at a study from a guy named Sharif. It was interesting. They took some people and put them in a room and they put a little dot of light out at the end. And there's a kind of a optical illusion that it looks like the light is moving. So the first day everybody in the room had, they said, tell us how much this light's moving. And everybody had different ideas of how far the, the light was moving. Even though it wasn't moving at all, but it was an optical illusion. So everybody had their own opinion of it, what, what it was. They brought them back for two more days. On day two, over 50% of the people, when they kind of heard what other people said, said, yeah, that's the same number. By day three, almost 95% said that's the same distance I'm seeing too. It's incredible. I was reading some experiments that um, they did around these ideas of how pressure can change how people view things, how people view things. Now, you're probably wondering a little bit where I'm going with this. Well, I can tell you that this world... And we'll talk about that in a minute. This world is a place that tries to drive conformity, that tries to conform us into a mold. I've talked on this before. I'll do the little definition of the world. Basically, there are three things. There's the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. The lust of the flesh is, hey, anything that feels good to me at a physical level, I'm good with. That's a world belief. That's a world belief. Our lust of the eyes. Anything that delights, gives us treasures, that's what that's about. I want what you have. It's really, um, if you really look at it, it's being covetous. I want what you have. That's the lust of my eyes. I look around, I want your family. I want your job. Well, you don't want my job, but you'll want somebody's job. I want that Walmart job still. That's my ultimate. And this idea of the pride of life. This idea of pride of life is I want to be popular. I want to be popular. You go, well, that's not true. Survey. (laughs) I've looked these things up for you. 51% of all people from the age of 18 to 25, 51% of them say my number one goal right now is I want to be popular. I want to be recognized as somebody important. Think about that. 51% of 18 to 25-year-olds. Now think about what that looks like in society. I saw a guy jump out of a football stand 15 feet down, took off all of his clothes, and took off across the football field. I don't know, sometimes I hit my head like that and I go, what is he thinking? Have you seen him scan the crowds? I probably shouldn't say this, Ron, because maybe you're one of those Dallas Cowboy guys, but... Who gets up in the morning and says, "I'm going to paint myself solid blue, and I'm going to put stars on my head and on my face." I see them in the crowd all the time at those football games. Do you, do you know what I'm saying? Why do they do that? They're hoping that camera will shine on them. I know. Carlos has got his Broncos stuff on. <laughs> I shouldn't probably pick. <laughs> Who wears that to church? Oh. <laughs> Ron, I expect you to counter that. Yeah, I saw their little baby. He doesn't even support the cowboys, and they make the baby put on a cowboy outfit. It's incredible. (laughs) That's in the Bible. Beautiful. (laughs) If you'll read 1 John uh, 2, 15 through 17, again, I don't want to dwell too long here, but I want you to kind of get an understanding of what this looks like. It says, do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father, love for the Father is not in them. For everyone in the world, for everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. And again, I want to set this, this background because what this does or what this tells me is that as a society, we create a culture, and this culture is to conform to a set of beliefs. Now, I'm going to make a little supposition here that 200 years ago when the country was founded, it was really founded on a God-centered type of criteria. So society acknowledged God as an ultimate being and as an ultimate being had rules that society ran by. Would most of you, even younger people, say that in your lifetime you've seen things that were acceptable when you were young totally change now most of you I see some heads nodding out there that things that you thought were taboo things you wouldn't do things that were non-God honoring you see them happening now so what has happened is society as a whole the pressure to conform has pushed us into accepting beliefs and ideas that are not God honoring that are not God honoring the reason I say this is is um, there 's a constant I'm, I sense now there 's this constant pressure on Christians and believers to believe and accept things that we don 't really go along with, and because we know that this um, idea of conformity or pressure in our lives um, can change us, can can make us act and behave and believe things that are not true, It it's really been bothering me lately. I can tell you that the next generation really scares me a little bit because I don't know what's going to happen, and it makes me uneasy. I see so many different um, actions being demonstrated that are... I'll call them anti-God, anti-that culture. And it bothers me a little bit. That's why when I say these songs this morning, I mean, how can you miss words like, I see a generation rising up to take their place? You know, when I say, Benji must be spirit-led, he must be, I guess. Has he had any visions? I don't know. Benji, had any visions? Are you a dreamer too? (laughs) You've had five? sweet (laughs) I think he God's spirit is trying to tell us something this morning in that there is a huge cultural base being constructed out there now I want to share a couple of these things um, with you Um, I threw a few scriptures out there you can read them on your own time frame a little bit there was one in Exodus 23 2 I kind of liked it says do not follow the crowd in doing wrong I like that in other words, don't conform to the world. And what is a culture? It's an integrated system of learned behaviors which are characteristic of the society. So as the society changes, we as a group, we integrate that into our daily lives all the time. This is, that's the part that scares me a lot because this is where Satan is, is really, really good. I point out a couple of things here for you. What's this culture look like today? First of all, I want to say that Satan is very, very subtle. He's really good. As a matter of fact, um, you remember in the garden um, with Adam and Eve? God had told them one time, don't eat of this tree. I think one time God telling me something should be enough. He shouldn't have to tell me over and over. So there are things that God puts out there and says, don't eat of this tree. But what does Satan say? Satan says, oh yeah, God did say that. But here's really what he meant. What he meant was, if you'll partake of this, you'll be like God's. A very subtle change. I went, I'll tell you a little bit what triggered some of this. Um, a person I met um, has decided to, or made a decision to follow a homosexual lifestyle. And... Don't get all bent out of shape on this type of thing. It's sin, 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 right? Any sin. So um, we had a bit of a conversation. She says, well, go read what our doctrine is for our church. So I pulled it up, and I was very interested. I said, so here's what they believe on the Bible. And remember what I'm saying about the subtleness of Satan. We believe in the truthfulness of the ancient scriptures. Now, check this word out. Because the English language has been so fluid over the past several hundred years, our language continually shifts in its meaning. Would you say our language does shift in its meaning? What do you think what do you think they're about to say? We have God's word, but our language has changed. We don't quite get it. All of a sudden I'm starting to get angry. I have little bouts. Not much gets me upset, but I started to have a few issues with there. So there's been a need for a variety of translations of the Bible. We believe that when interpreted, understood, and applied correctly, the Bible is God's word. We believe the Bible to be the voices of many who have come before us to pass along their their poems stories and accounts and, a le- and letters of response and relationship with each other and the living God. Now when you first read that, when I first read that I thought, well that's kind of an interesting way to, to word a belief in the scripture. Because what I was taught was the Bible is God's word, infallible, unerring, Every word, every syllable is God-breathed. So know my point of reference. So when I first read this, I thought, well, yeah, the English language has changed some. Of course, you know what this says. It, it, it is a, a way of saying you can be a believer and yet be, live a homosexual lifestyle. My belief is scriptural-based. When you read the scripture, you go, That can't be in place. Yet I feel this. Do you feel a little uneasy when you talk about these things that, gosh, I don't want to offend anybody. I don't want to feel uneasy. I don't want anybody to feel uneasy. And I don't. And we've always said, hey, we love people. We accept all people. But God has rules that he's laid out there. And we need to conform to God's rules, not the rules man has established. So there's a huge cultural base, I feel, that swells up, is swelling up in our, our country to act and respond certain ways. And I know it falls underneath a lot of categories. And don't get me wrong, right? There are rules we should conform to. When I get to the red light, as a society, we all agreed red light, stop, green light, go, right? We, we're all going to abide by those general rules of society, right? We're part of that. We're part of the world right? We're in the world, but we're not part of that system, you know? So this cultural pressure that um, I sense keeps building, and again, Satan is very, very subtle about this, and the pressure is very strong. It's, it's a strong build, and if I can tell you this, I believe that um, as time um, keeps going closer and closer, our culture becomes more and more evil. The the um, expression of this evilness is being reflected more and more. Uh, Things you would never think of. How many of you use Betty Crocker products? Somebody, yeah? I, I don't know anything about this stuff, right? So I looked at it. I was reading this thing. Betty Crocker now is endorsing the homosexual movement. They said our beliefs, and this is general... General Mills, I believe, is the ultimate owner of Betty Crocker, they said, but our belief systems in the past have been old-fashioned. That was their word. It has been old-fashioned. I was thinking. Starbucks. My wife goes there. I don't know if we can ever give up Starbucks. <laughs> this is going to create issues. I just hope they don't go to Coles. I hope Coles makes no statement about any of this. <laughs> Everybody keeps picking me on, on that stuff. I'm telling you, she got a $10 free coupon. I got, I got three pair of brand-new socks, and then they give you the card back, and the socks were $9.99. I got one penny back in that card, and they said, come back again. <laughs> it's an incredible store. <laughs> but you start to see things like, why would Betty Crocker even make these type of statements? Why would Target come out? Why would Starbucks come out with these types of things? Because evil is becoming more evil and it's exerting more pressure to conform to this new, quote, norm of society. And it scares me because we are the church. We are the church. I, um, I kind of look at it this way. Um, this balloon is in this state because of, The pressure that's exerted on the outside. This this is what it this is the way it is. What I believe needs to happen is the church or believers need to become countercultural. Countercultural. What's that mean? That means this is what society wants. I blew this up beforehand, that's why it went so easy. So you know, my ears popped, all kind of stuff, <laughs> but I got it going. <laughs> Something needs to counteract the pressure to conform to the world from the inside. I love pastors' messages on the Holy Spirit. I believe it is the key to what we're trying to do, what we should be about. I believe the church is about a countercultural environment. We need to establish that. We need to put this into place to make this happen. I was thinking, I wonder what would happen if we as a church really started to influence the world. (laughs) Got to take a break there. (laughs) I don't know if this can actually happen or not. I'm a little scared, actually. Oh, yeah, look at Ron. Can I keep going? (laughs) Can I break the word a little more? Can I put a little more counter pressure to what the world believes? Cult, that existing culture is <laughs> Ron you got your knife come on <laughs> here's what I want to happen <laughs> <Right here. laughs> ah, I love church Uh. you know what's amazing is this counterculture gets established actually pretty simply it's by Christ followers really being Christ followers things only change when God changes them This person I was talking about a little bit, I started down that little road, you know, they suck you in to start discussing the value of all of that and all the scriptures and all that kind of thing, you know, lead you down that road a little bit. The bottom line is, the only way it's going to change is when God presents truth to their lives. That truth comes from us. Now, I've heard this before a lot. A lot of people say, well, my lifestyle is a demonstration of my relationship with God. And before we go too far, I believe it should. I believe your life should stand up to the words you say. But let me tell you this there's only one way words get spoken down here in this life right now. You're the voice, you're it. I keep thinking, God, why didn't you send your angels and just like smack the tire out of people? Why didn't you come up with some other way? The way he chose was you. So not only do you need to live the life, don't let him swallow that, Ron. I'm not, I'm not being responsible for that. Grace, step in. Um, I believe that that's where our place needs to be. Um, and there's a lot of ways this, this plays out. Now, when I was a kid, um, my mom and dad, there were never any choices for, for kids. Until we were 16 years old. We're going to church this morning. Now, how many of you could have just slept in this morning and said, I, I, could, I could have used the sleep? My wife actually rolled over about 1130 and just went, or 7.30, 11.30, <laughs> 7.30 and went, man, I'm just finally really sleeping. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, but it's time to get up. Let's go. And I didn't say that. I said, we should think about getting ready to go. <laughs> it's too far to drive. A church on fire is worth the drive. <laughs> right? There's a, there's a million um, things that need to happen. So society has pressed it in and said, why do you go to church more than once a week? Why are you involved in outreaches? Why, are you, why do you do those things? That's, the, that's what the society wants to press us into, into a set, a set mode. Um, I want God's desires to be my desires. That's really what I want. I want the things that are important to God to be the things that are important to me. I want the spiritual to be more important than the temporal. And it's hard because the temporal is the world and it is just slamming us constantly. I was thinking the other day, uh, since I got here, they got me, I got a dish network and I got the base pass thing, 125 channels. I looked the other night, you know how many are religious channels? What do you think, 115? 100? Reminds me of the story of Sodom and Gomorrah. How many can you find? How about four (laughs) on my channel selection? Do you understand what I'm saying? I see it constantly. I'm telling you it's a conspiracy. You get up in the morning. You try this. You go on my cable, that's channel 4, 7, and 13 are the network channels. And when those things come on, you'll get three minutes of news. Now, you tell me how all of them go to commercial at the exact same time. I'm telling you, you go between the channels. Once that news breaks and you go to another channel, it's going to be a commercial. So I thought, I'll go to 202, which is like CNN or something like that. So I go over there. They're all in conspiracy on this stuff. I'm telling you. (laughs) They're always pushing something. Do any of you sense that in society nowadays? Does it feel like it's a constant barrage always trying to push you to do something, to buy something, to be a way, to think a certain way, to act a certain way? It's a constant thing. It's amazing how subtle and how it integrates. This morning I get up. I went out for a little run, came back, got dressed. I walked down the stairs. I kid you not, Rocky. My wife goes just like, I'm dressed just like this. And she goes, just like this. (laughs) Did anybody sense that pressure? (laughs) She said, I just got you this shirt. So this is my brand new shirt because she tries to keep me looking young. And I had this vest on. She goes, That vest is covering up that number. Is Rocky going to know? Rocky's not going to know or care. (laughs) But I like this vest. She goes, Well, take the vest off and put on a black vest. I put on a black vest. She goes, I'm the man. I finally have to make a decision. I'm wearing my vest. I don't care. Nina, are you laughing because I look funny like this? (laughs) And in society, this cultural pressure I feel all the time, and that's why we have to be so aware of it. One of my points I want to bring up was that, first of all, we need to protect our minds. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. I want to encourage us to start to create... um, a bit of a culture of filtering what we think and what we believe. I believe it starts that way. I believe it starts with saying, I need to protect my mind and how I think and what I do. If you've got an alcohol problem, do not go to the bar. Make a decision. Satan's going to tell you, well, the bar's not bad. It's just a building. Right. Do not go to a bar. If you've got a problem with um, sexual issues or infidelity and things like that, I used to say this to the youth group all the time. They'd always say, Bob, why don't we have dances in our youth group? And I used to say, we'll have dances. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to come to the gym, and it's going to be all the guys only. No girls are going to be there at all. And we're going to turn the lights down nice and low, and we're going to have a dance. And then tomorrow night, we'll bring all the girls in, to le- and we'll have a dance. They go, well, that's, no, that's not. So it's not about you want to have a dance, right? <laughs> if you've got a problem in those areas, don't sit around in the dark with a girl. God made doors. Get up and get out. Protect yourself. Think about what culture is trying to drive you into. And protect yourself, protect your mind, protect what you think about. If you've got pornography issues, do not get on the internet. Just just kill it, man. Do it. Second thing is be aware. Look around with your spiritual eyes. Remember, we've been talking about this. It's not just the Holy Spirit in us to say the Holy Spirit's in us. The Holy Spirit gives us power. And there are gifts of the Spirit, gifts of discernment. Gifts that you can look around and recognize things that are going to be detrimental. That culture is trying to push on you. That you need to push back against. Be aware of what is around you. Your friends, is your job consuming you, you know? Is, are there strategic decisions you need to make for your family? Be aware of what's going on. If, if your job is killing your family, you got to fix it. I'm not going to tell you to quit your job. I don't know what you're going to do. You need to fix it and spend time with the family. You got to do it. You got to make it happen. Can you trust God to take care of you? Do we really believe that? No, I got to work. God will give you a better job. I know He will. He'll take care of you. Get tough. My last one it says, Get tough. Pat tells me this a lot in the work that we do because there's always another meeting and we'll discuss it more and all that kind of stuff. Pat always says at some point in time you get to the fact everybody really knows what they need to do but nobody wants to make the call. Think about that. Are there things in your life that you know right now you go, yeah, I know that's the Holy Spirit talking to me about it but maybe this will work out, maybe this will happen. Get tough. you got to make the call. At some point in time, you got to make the call. you got to make it happen. Get tough. When we elected to follow Christ, we became part of a counterculture. When you said, I'm going to be a Christ follower, you became part of a counterculture to our society and where it's going. We need to live that out. We need to live that out, and we need to speak it out. Here's what I believe. I believe there is another generation that's coming. Down inside, sometimes I worry about that. I believe God. I believe God's going to raise up a generation. I believe God's raising up spiritual leaders. I believe there are people who understand what God's trying to do and are saying, I want to be part of that. You know we ultimately win, right? You understand this? Satan is like the crusher. He roars big. Did you see him flex those muscles? I'm really something. I can intimidate you. I can do that. The last part of this, I I didn't bring it up, but Bugs Bunny's this little rabbit. <laughs> and he's really smart. Because <laughs> he knows he's always gonna win, I think. That's why he's smart. And this big crusher comes charging at him. Somewhere, Bugs Bunny got this huge, big safe opens the door, the guy goes through there, hits these ropes, springs out there a quarter of a mile, comes back and Bugs Bunny closes the door and that guy just smashes into that door. Then Bugs opens the door and here's this guy. He's got no teeth, his eyes are all black and blue and he just stands there and he goes, hey, I thought I'd just stop over, what's going on? You know, Bugs takes him, makes a whole cake right there and when he keels over, his face hits the cake. Huh? That's what I think, Satan already knows this. He knows this is coming. He knows what his end is. We win. We win. We just need to live it out. Yeah, come on. (laughs) We have the answer. We have the answer. The question is to you today, will you say it and will you live it? It always gets down to that, doesn't it? It always gets down to that. That's the way God is. God takes it right down to the rubber in a big, in a big hurry. Peter, who do, who do you say that I am? Peter, do you love me? Do you or don't you? <laughs> That's what God gets to with us. He's not much for horseplay. He's a, guy, a God who says, come on, get on board. This is the winning team. Let's roll. Let's roll. I guess today I'm asking you to make that commitment in your mind, in your thoughts. Will I be countercultural? Will I represent God? Will I demonstrate the power of the Holy Spirit in my life? Will I take some chances? Will I step out? It's a great way to live. I continue to tell you this. There's no way to live but to be a believer. You be a Christ follower, you have so much excitement, you have so much junk in your life. Some of you go, well, I wish you would quit. Well, I will. I always go, but if you were up here speaking, you go, I got more to say on this. I always have more to say on this. That's what I'm calling you for this week. Will you talk to somebody? Will you say, you know, God loves you. I love you. He's got a great plan for your life. Encourage somebody. Be a believer. Be a Christ follower. Represent him.